Good afternoon, friends. This is Dave Ainsworth. I'm one of the pastors at Citizens Church. We had a technological problem this weekend, and so the sermon didn't record. But since we're in the book of Haggai, beginning the book of Haggai, and that's not a usual place for sermons to be. A lot of us aren't really familiar with it. I thought I'd summarize the sermon to uh, offer something in its place, but then also uh, to set us up for future weeks if you continue to tune in, or if you're able to come and be with us, you would be caught up on the story. And so uh, let's uh, introduce the book of Haggai. Uh, Haggai chapter one asks the question, when does not yet mean never? That's the question of the prophet Haggai to the people of Israel. When does not yet mean never? Haggai is an Old Testament prophet, and he began his ministry 20 years after the return of Israel from exile. His ministry only covers five months in the year 520 BC, um, but it was an important year uh, for the people. If you'll remember, God's people were exiled because of their unfaithfulness to God. After centuries of neglecting God's law, worshiping the idols, uh, practicing uh social injustice, uh, God orchestrated foreign empires to come and capture Israel and Judah. First, Assyria captured Israel, Babylon captured Judah, and uh, they were carted off as slaves uh, in punishment for their sin. But as promised, God would also orchestrate their freedom. And so decades later, Babylon was conquered itself by the Persians, and the king of Persia, King Cyrus, released the Israelites. And he not only released them, but he resourced them so that they could come back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. That is what they were commissioned to do, uh, to rebuild Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple. And this is a huge deal. Understandably, the people are super excited. They are finally free, free and provided for. And so the first thing they do when they get back was uh, to get to work. Uh, they rebuilt the altar. They started making sacrifices. They reinstated religious festivals. They laid the temple foundation. Um, this was what God had promised to do, to restore the glory of Zion. But pretty quickly, they ran into some serious roadblocks. There was famine. There was internal strife. But most difficult, there were neighbors uh, the Samaritans who didn't like them. Uh, the Samaritans had rather enjoyed a weak and abandoned Jerusalem and were kind of nervous about the Israelites rebuilding it. A strong Jerusalem would reduce their power and influence with Cyrus. And so they sought to thwart God's people. They sent, they sent envoys to complain to Cyrus. They attacked Jerusalem. It was a complete mess. And it got so bad that Israel eventually had to stop building. The problem for Haggai, though, is that they never started up again. And so 20 years later, the temple still lay in ruins. Haggai 1, 2, thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. And God sends Haggai to ask why. Do you not want me to live in your midst? Do you not want to experience my glory? The people of God had returned to Jerusalem with vigor and excitement and hope. They came armed with earlier prophecies about the restoration of Jerusalem, about the desert blooming with life and becoming like another Garden of Eden. But instead, they found the desert fought back. Life was hard. It was surprisingly hard. 
their initial excitement and hope waned, and they began to settle for much less than God had promised them. The Old Testament scholar Joyce Baldwin writes, The year 520 BC was one of crisis for Jerusalem. It was not the kind of crisis obvious to all as when a threat of invasion shocks a whole population into action, but the dangerous state of moral paralysis, which accepts as normal conditions that demand drastic changes. Unlike the previous prophets, Haggai wasn't talking to a stubborn people. Uh, he wasn't talking to greedy people, hateful people, idolatrous people. They weren't oppressing the poor as in earlier times. They weren't involved with cult prostitution. There's no long list of terrible sins that the people had committed in the book of Haggai. Uh, from all accounts, it looks like they kept the sacrifices going. They kept the festivals going. They believed in Yahweh, but they had grown tired and cynical. After a string of difficulties, they became self-protective and learned to have low expectations of life in this world. And so they focused their energy on what's safe, what's obtainable, what they could count on. Maybe if they could get that down, in the future, they would have time to rebuild the temple. Here in the text, it's clear that they want to rebuild the temple. They think it's important, but the time has not yet come. This is immediately relatable, right? Uh, temple building is hard, church building, soul building, kingdom building. If you are called to this work, and every Christian is called to it in some way, you will face opposition, hostility from the outside, scarcity of resources, internal strife. And there are times when you need to stop moving forward to attend to those difficulties. But how is easy is it for one month's break to become a year, and then five years, and then 20 years, and the temple still lies in ruins? And it's still not yet time to do the thing that God has called you to do, which is to build the temple that is your soul, to make it more and more hospitable to the spirit of Jesus. How many of us are hosting Jesus in ruins, but telling him, I just got this job. I just got married. My kids are babies. My kids are kids. COVID happened. I want to do it, but it's not time yet. At some point, that excuse falls flat. And God is right to send a prophet asking, when does not yet mean never? Consider your ways. That's what Haggai is sent to ask. Uh, consider your ways. Uh, God could have sent some fire and brimstone prophet to tear them a new one, but he doesn't because that's not what's needed. He will terrify us if that's what we need. But in this case, and for many of us, all that's needed is a little nudge, a little time for self-reflection. How's life without my presence working out for you? Verse 5 and 6 show us that it's not working out very well. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Notice Haggai is not talking here about serious hardship. Life is frustrating, but no one is starving. No one is under threat of violence. No one is homeless. No one is out of work. Everyone has land to sow, food to eat, wine to drink, clothes to wear, and yet they remain dissatisfied. Why? Well, two reasons. First, we were made for more than material satisfaction. Life is more than we work, food, and drink. And by living only for work, food, and drink, they were starving their own humanity. 
We are not simply capable animals. We are created in the image of God. Second reason the people are dissatisfied, and this is primary for Haggai, is because God is withholding satisfaction from them. Because he loves them, he is making sure they aren't duped into being satisfied in material things. So verse 9 shows that God is active in keeping them dissatisfied. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. The droughts, the famines, inflation, foreign enemies, the people are asking, what am I doing wrong? I'm doing everything science tells me to do, but I'm still not reaping what I should be reaping. Consider how much blood and sweat and toil I'm working. Why am I not still at, why am I still not ahead? Or maybe I get close to getting ahead to the place where I might have time to work on the things of God, but then another famine hits, another drought, another hard season at work, another challenge in parenting, a once in a hundred year pandemic, and I'm back at square one. Alec Morcher writes, Haggai's scriptural worldview taught him that the forces of nature are but agents in the hands of God. He is the power to be reckoned with in the practical affairs of life and the organizing power behind the scenes. The Old Testament is not unaware of the existence of second causes, but constantly forces us to face that it is the first cause with whom we have to deal. Again, it's not that economic explanations and psychological explanations and historical explanation are irrelevant to your duties, but they are not primary. Prophets remind us that the theological explanation is primary. And so church, if you're dissatisfied, consider your ways. Is it just that you need better technique, some life hacks? You just need to get dealt a better hand? What does God have to do with your dissatisfaction? Are you settling for less than God created you for? Or is it because God is actively thwarting your satisfaction, withholding goods for your greater good? The book of Haggai takes on greater significance for the Christian when we realize that we ourselves are the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? To be a Christian is to be united with Christ, to have the spirit of Christ dwelling in us. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross, the forgiveness of sins, was not an end in itself, but was the means by which God could again dwell with humanity. And so when they restarted the sacrifices, they built the altar and started to sacrifice again. That's great. But why were sacrifices there in the first place? To enable God to dwell with his people. That's always been the goal of God, to dwell again with his people like he did in the Garden of Eden. And so what does it say when God's people don't attend to God's temple? Now, because of grace, God does not require that we fix the temple before he dwells with us. My life with Christ begins with me inviting Jesus into a broken temple, a ruined and ransacked heart. And rebuilding it and restoring it to its intended glory is going to take a lifetime. And so the only question... Haggai asks is, am I rebuilding it? Am I letting God rebuild me? Or do I keep just putting them off? Not yet, maybe later, soon. Meanwhile, years and even decades are passing by. And when that happens, God begins to wonder, does Dave even want me around? Would he notice if I left? Thankfully, God doesn't leave 
he keeps his promises even when I don't keep mine. Instead of leaving, he makes himself known through hardship and difficulty, through dissatisfaction, and often by sending a prophet to say, consider your ways. What is the answer to our dissatisfaction? Haggai 1, verses 7, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. Don't keep putting coins in a purse with holes in it. Don't keep putting coins in a soul with holes in it. Souls aren't meant to hold coins. They're meant to hold God. God wants to dwell in you and with you, but he needs a temple. What are you building in your life right now? One of the great things about Haggai is that he's one of those rare prophets that people immediately listen to. They responded immediately. Verse 12, Zerubbabel, Joshua, the remnant of the people, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, and the people feared the Lord. The people repented of their neglect, and they began to work. Immediately God said, I am with you. Verse 13, then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. If you want me, I'm there. Again, this is not a message where you have to fix up the temple before God comes to dwell. God gives his presence immediately to all who welcome him. And in Haggai, he even does the work of preparing the people. He sent, he sent the prophet. Um, he stirred up their hearts. And so if you find yourself settling for less than God created you to be, Ask God to stir up your spirit and work with what you have now. Like John uh, 10, I believe, help my unbelief. Repent, obey, hear God's word of promise, and get to work. What is a first step for you? Stop saying the time is not yet. The time is now. Respond in faith to God, and he will say, I am with you, declares the Lord.